Welcome to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you so much for returning. And speaking of returning, we're going to be speaking with returning guest, Dr. Kian Solari. He's a urologic oncologist and surgeon, co-director, prostate cancer genetics program at Massachusetts General Hospital. He's returning to talk about his study that was presented at the AUA 2022. Welcome back, Kian. How are you? Thank you for joining. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. Well, for those who aren't familiar with you as a contributor, give us a brief look into your professional background and talk briefly about your role there at Mass General. Sure. So I'm a urologic oncologist at Mass General Hospital, uh, which means I'm a urological surgeon for genitourinary malignancies uh, focused mainly on prostate cancer. My research lab focuses on the genetics and genomics of prostate cancer, and so uh, that's my main area of research focus. Your study is entitled The Impact of Family History and Germline Genetic Risk Variants on Long-Term Outcomes of Active Surveillance-Eligible Prostate Cancer. It was presented, as I said uh, in the outset, at the uh, AUA 2022. Tell us about this information, this research that you presented. Sure. So uh, when people think about genetic susceptibility to developing prostate cancer, and and first I'd say that uh, prostate cancer is one of the most heritable cancer types. Um, and so we think of family history, uh, rare genetic variants like BRCA1, BRCA2 mutations that many folks have heard about, uh, as well as common genetic risk variants uh, like single nucleotide polymorphisms. These are all different forms of um, genetic susceptibilities and uh, different ways of measuring or capturing genetic susceptibility. Um, and so uh, there's been a number of studies over the years looking at each of these individually, uh, but there's been very few studies that have examined the combined prognostic impact of family history and germline risk variants um, in prostate cancer. I've been interested in um, not just looking at the risk of developing prostate cancer with with either family history or germline genetics, but also in how uh, these genetic factors can impact the, the prognosis, so meaning um, how aggressive a prostate cancer is going to be. I think when we when we had spoken in previous sessions, uh, we talked about active surveillance for prostate cancer, which mm-hmm. is where we um, deem a cancer low risk enough that we think we can monitor it instead of treating it as a way to avoid some of the side effects that go along with prostate cancer treatments like surgery or radiation and hormone therapy. And um, so as, as long as a, a, a prostate cancer is looking indolent enough, meaning that it's low risk by all of our kind of standard clinical and pathologic features, we often just monitor those patients. We don't treat their cancers, and, and that's what we call active surveillance. Um, but it turns out that uh, in a number of cases, we are we are wrong about that assessment, or, or over time, that, it, that changes. So if we, at our own institution, look at our patients that we've put on active surveillance, up to about a third of them end up coming off surveillance within five years, and up to half of them by 10 years. Now, you could look at that half, half glass full, half glass empty. You could say, you know, half of patients by 10 years we were wrong about and they actually did need treatment. Their tumors were not as indolent as we first thought they were. Um, you can also look at the other way around and say, well, at least half the patients we were able to still by 10 years uh, avoid treatment and the toxicities that come along with those treatments. What I've been interested in trying to do, um, as a number of my colleagues have as well, is try to improve our ability to predict who is really a good candidate for active surveillance, meaning who has truly indolent disease that you could safely monitor, um, whereas, um, or compared to 
who has truly more aggressive disease that probably ought to be treated right off the bat um, instead of monitoring it for a period of time and giving it the opportunity to potentially progress. That's kind of the background um, that uh, is relevant to why we're looking at genetic factors to see whether any of the whether there's anything um, at the genetic level that could help us predict whether a tumor is more likely to progress on surveillance and need treatment um, versus remain indolent and and be able to be safely monitored. Was there a look at whether or not it was more aggressive if there were uh, family history and genetics involved as opposed to uh, solely environmental causes of a person's prostate cancer diagnosis? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and the interesting with prostate cancer is that there aren't very many environmental risk factors that have been kind of reliably or, or, or robustly validated over the years in various cohorts. Um, and so, you know, we still think of just really the unmodifiable risk factors like age, of course, um, and uh, family history. Uh, there's, of course, associations with uh, genetic ancestry or racial background. You know, there, there's not as much um, environmental risk factors that have been, you know, outside some very rare exposures, like things like Agent Orange and Vietnam um, veterans and things like that, that have been um, identified uh, as as uh, significant risk factors. BMI has has been is one is one uh, risk factor that has been identified. But the the perfect cohort to to look at these types of things is uh, the core we we turn to, which is the health professionals follow up study, which is a longitudinal prospective cohort study managed by the Harvard School of Public Health, and um, that's where we turn to to investigate this question of family history and germline genetics. Um, so just to introduce that that cohort, it's a cohort of about fifty one thousand U.S. male uh, health professionals. Um, who have been followed actually since the mid 1980s, and so this is a you know very robust large prospective cohort study that has been used to study many different conditions. And we're just looking at uh, the data on the men with prostate cancer, and we we kind of drilled into the uh, patients who have been diagnosed with prostate cancer since 1986 when this cohort was started, so over the last 30 plus years, and uh, categorized them to look at men who would have been eligible for active surveillance. Of course, back then in the 80s and 90s, when a lot of these men were being diagnosed, we didn't, we weren't doing active surveillance back then. So we, we were looking to see in our modern criteria for how we would select somebody for active surveillance with NCCN low risk or favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer. Um, uh, you know, how did, how did those patients do over time and whether, whether, whether there was any impact with family history or other genetic uh, risk variants that we have obtained on these patients? So there's about 1,300, a little over 1,300 men we looked at with low risk or favorable intermediate risk prostate cancer who had genome-wide SNP uh, genotyping data, so single nucleotide polymorphism genotyping data available as well as details about their family history. One one just quick comment is that um, we learned from actually a different study of our own active surveillance cohort at at Mass General that um, it turns out family history of prostate cancer alone is not the only relevant family history, but also a family history of related malignancies, genetically related malignancies like breast cancer or pancreatic cancer also seem to have an impact on um, risk on active surveillance. And so that's something we learned in a separate study of, of ours at, at Mass General. And so when we did this study, we looked in the health professionals follow-up group of, of, at the men who had family history 
in their first degree relatives of either prostate, breast, or pancreatic cancer. So that was our family history measure. And we looked at uh, around 269 prostate cancer related polymorphisms, single nucleotide polymorphisms that have been developed into what we call a polygenic risk score, essentially a, a risk score based on these 269 SNPs um, that have been validated in previous studies as being associated with the risk of prostate cancer development. And then we looked to see over the 30 plus year follow-up, um, you know, who had recurrence of their prostate cancer and, and um, as well as who died of prostate cancer. Uh, there was 263 recurrences, 52 deaths. And then we built statistical models to look at uh, how, how family history and genetic risk uh, impacted that. What we found is about a third of patients had a family history of one of those three malignancies that I mentioned. Um, and it turned out that uh, having that family history increased the risk of prostate cancer specific death significantly about, about eight, you know, the, the hazard ratio was about 1.8. So about an 80% increase in risk of um, prostate cancer specific death. And that was being adjusted for um, age, PSA, grade stage, and, and the primary treatment strategy for those patients. So the second significant finding was in the germline risk variance where the polygenic risk score itself was actually not associated with prostate cancer specific death, um, but specifically one of the low sided chromosome 19Q13, one of the alleles there we found had about, a, again, an 80% increased risk of prostate cancer specific death um, after adjusting for uh, the same factors as we did for family history. Um, and it turned out that these were actually independent risk conferred by both family history and the, the germline risk SNP. So in a model where we had both heritable factors, both the family history factor as well as the 19Q13 risk allele, each of these factors contributed independently to predicting prostate cancer specific death. So in summary, we found that patients with favorable risk prostate cancer who had a first degree family history of either prostate, breast, or pancreatic cancer or who had a 19Q13 germline risk allele had significantly elevated risks of prostate cancer specific death. So we feel that these findings have important implications for how familial and germline genetic risks should be considered into clinical decision-making around active surveillance for prostate cancer. How impactful would you say that uh, these findings are to the field of urology? And then give us a website where we can learn more about Mass General and about this uh, study uh, and go further into it. Sure. Yeah, so I, I, the, the main takeaway is that finding that, that not just family history alone, but also one of the um, risk loci on chromosome 19Q13, um, each of these factors, either family history or that, that risk SNP, significantly elevated the risk of prostate cancer death. So the main implication there is that, um, you know, it, it really makes us think about how we select patients for active surveillance and um, whether or not these types of factors should be um, considered into the decision-making about whether to put someone on active surveillance or, or how to counsel them as they're making their decisions about staying on surveillance. And you asked for the, the websites uh, for Mass General, www.massgeneral.org. Ken, always a pleasure. Always some great uh, information for us. I'm looking forward to our next conversation. Thank you so much for returning tonight. 
My pleasure. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with returning guest, Dr. Kian Salari. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com health professional radio.